And I think there's something about the artists and the holy that help us pay attention to how God is present in the world at the moment in ways we wouldn't otherwise see. You are listening to the Artisan Tree Podcast, a conversational journey through art and faith, episode 16. What does it mean to be an artist and a follower of Jesus? For many years of my life, I tried to figure out the answer to this question, and for a long time I ran into answers that were unsatisfying. It wasn't until seminary that I grew more confident in my identity as a Christian and an artist more confident that these two aspects of my identity were not at odds with one another, but actually complementary to one another. How did I reconcile the Christian and the artist within me? Part of the answer is that I grew a better understanding of what a person's vocation or calling is. I grew to understand that all of us are to love God and love people. This calling is universal, but the way we live out this calling is as vast and diverse as the individuals on this planet. So is there a unique way artists can answer God's call? Absolutely. This week on the Artisan Tree Podcast, we have with us Todd Bolsinger, whose expertise is in the Christian call. He leads the Vocation and Formation Department at Fuller Theological Seminary and is a wise and encouraging voice for anyone seeking to figure out what God would have them do with their lives. Listen in as Todd shares with us how he came to play such a unique role and how he sees artists contributing to the body of Christ. Hey everybody, Jason Link here. Welcome to the Artisan Tree Podcast. Thanks for listening. The Artisan Tree Podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment and show notes are found at artisantree.org. Come back often and feel free to connect on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can also follow me on Facebook. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get on to the show. Hello, and here we are with Todd Bolsinger, Vice President of Vocation and Formation here at Fuller Theological Seminary. Today we're going to be talking about the vocation of artists. But before we get into that specific area, let's get into vocation in general, and then we'll move in that direction of... uh, the specifics of like vocation for artists. So, mm. so you're vice president of vocation formation here at Fuller. What is your role right now? What does that mean? What is your role right now here in the body of Christ? Well, in the part of the body of Christ, the small part that is Fuller Seminary, part of my role is to be part of helping Fuller rethink the whole notion of how we form Christian leaders for kingdom vocations. Uh, we assume that everybody who comes to graduate school is being used by God in some kind of leadership, either in terms of influence or transformation, and that our job is to help try to form our students and ultimately form the future leaders of the church in ways that are both about academic formation, which is why we give degrees, master's Mm -hmm. degrees and uh, doctoral degrees, um, but also personal formation, spiritual formation, and global formation. So it's the whole whole formation of whole people for the work of the gospel um, through the whole world. And so my job is to help... um, Fuller be able to do that well and to be able to begin a transformation that is shaping the way. So what does that mean you do on a daily basis? Mostly it means I go to meetings. I go to a lot, <laughs> a lot of meetings. Um, I also, I, I collaborate is what I do. I thought I uh, discerning what God seems to be doing in the world, mm-hmm. then what the church needs to do to, to participate with what God is doing in the world. And then the kind of leadership that we put into the broader church, meaning both the organiz- organized uh, clergy, but also the larger work of the body of Christ 
um, that is the capital C church. Mm-hmm. And we, so I spent a lot of my time just collaborating, discerning, teaching, thinking about those things. How did, how did you get into your role? What's your story behind this? Well, my story is that Mark Labberton became president of Fuller Seminary mm-hmm. and had a real vision for the way in which seminary education needed to change. Um, in 2011, uh, Fuller did a, did a survey of its alums and mm-hmm. asked the question, basically, how do you feel about your education? And the, the basic overall response was, we love Fuller. We loved our time at Fuller. Mm-hmm. The professors were some of the most inspiring people we ever met. But that Fuller education I received back then, and back then could have only been a couple of years, didn't seem to prepare me as adequately for this changing world as I thought it would. Mm. And our faculty did a remarkable thing. If you know anything about higher education, faculty mm. um, are known <laughs> for not being the most innovative people all the mm. time. They are, mm. they are people who believe in strong scholarly pursuits and academic inquiry. Mm. So faculty are known for being very slow to change. <laughs> but, but our faculty retooled the entire curriculum Mm. And so that it would be both as academically vigorous as it's ever been, but at the exact same time as innovative as it needs to be to form uh, what one of my colleagues, Scott Cormode, likes to say, people who are skilled with vocational agility, Mm. the ability to continue to hear the voice of God and respond in a way that makes a difference in the world in a rapidly changing circumstances in the world. And so my job was I was called by Mark to come and make sure that that work the faculty did to the curriculum was implemented and instituted throughout the entire institution. And and you kind of had to make some adjustments too because you were a pastor. I was. Right, and yeah, you were a pastor. Yeah. What was your church? I was a pastor at San Clemente Presbyterian in South Orange County. Okay, and so how did that role as a pastor prepare you for this role as yeah. a vocational, vocational, I guess, advisor to the, to yeah. the seminary? Yeah, So so two things. One is... Um, so when I did my, I did, I did both my master's of divinity and my PhD at Fuller okay. and my PhD is in practical theology all around, uh, spiritual formation, basically mm-hmm. the practices of the communal practices of formation built around the doctrine and based on the doctrine of the Trinity. So I've always been about formation and, and in the last 10 years, I became more and more about leadership formation. Mm-hmm. I began to do some consulting with a company while I was a pastor on organizational uh, transformation. Um, what do churches and nonprofits and organizations need to do to continually do the kinds of transformation as an organization, so organizational change that will enable them to continue to be relevant and uh, effective in a changing world? And I did that partly as a pastor. And I did that, I took I led a couple of uh, big uh, organizational change works, mm. for my, one for my denomination and one for my presbytery. And uh, I got to know Mark Laberton through um, some of that work. Um, I was in a meeting with several seminary presidents where they were thinking and dreaming about the, the future of the seminary. And mm. I was there as a consultant and an advisor. Mm. And when he told me what was happening at Fuller, and I love Fuller, he asked mm. me if I'd be interested in coming and leading a process here mm. at Fuller. So, so it really was. Part of being a pastor was it kept me rooted in the way in which the world is changing and the way church pastors have recognized the need for change in our churches, and then from there, kind of what we needed to do. So, so it's a combination of being a pastor, being a change leader, seeing the need, um, and really the understanding of what Mark's vision was. Okay, so I want to get into that change aspect and, and how that relates to artists. But first, let's talk about artists, mm-hmm. and let's talk about the field of vocation 
for artists, uh, the call of an artist. What we learn here at Fuller is that the Christian call for everyone is to love God and love your neighbor, and everything else is just secondary. But the, but the way we demonstrate that love is yeah. extremely vast and diverse, which is why, hence, we have the parts of the body, mm-hmm. very different, mm-hmm. different gifts and everything. So how do you envision artists fulfilling their calling and how might their talent serve in fulfilling that call that very specific like that universal call but Mm -hmm. yeah so i I think of it this in two ways one because i'm married to an artist Mm -hmm. and um and so i've spent a most of part of my calling is to support the arts just through her Mm -hmm. nothing else second is because um there's a deep history of understanding all the way back into scriptures of like Mm -hmm. the god blessing craftsmen like the, Mm -hmm. the um of the, the importance of the arts and of aesthetics as part of what it means to be human beings. And so I tend to think of this as the call of artists, if you think about them related to the body of Christ, are at least in two ways. Many times the artists are the eyes of the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. They help us see things we wouldn't otherwise see. Um, they uh, uh, Some musicians you could almost call could be the ears of the body of Christ, mm-hmm. right? They help mm-hmm. us hear things we wouldn't otherwise hear. There are many people in many places who would say the closest thing they ever experienced to what they believe that the divine is like or that heaven is like as they experience through the arts, through the, mm. as, the aesthetic inspiration of something that is beautiful. Um, Martin Luther said there needed to be arts in the cities because the poor end up having to be surrounded by ugliness, right? Mm. There's something really profound about being able to bring a picture or a vision or a perspective to people who wouldn't otherwise see it and get to touch something that is beyond uh, ordinary existence, but is, but is rooted in, in everyday life. Uh, the art, arts do that. The other thing that artists do is that, that sometimes they're the hands of the body of Christ. Mm. When, they, when artists make things or craft things, they remind us that we are to be people who create artifacts with our lives. We make things. We craft things. Um, our friend Andy Crouch talks about being culture makers mm-hmm. and that one of the parts that I think artists remind us is that each of us at some level was built to be the embodiment of the divine creator. Mm. And so anything you do that creates, that uh, reveals a, a different perspective than someone else wouldn't see, mm. that allows people to hear things that they wouldn't otherwise hear, mm. to consider thoughts they wouldn't otherwise, helps us pay attention to the numinous, that God's spirit and presence is here. Mm. Um, one of my favorite quotes about this is out of uh, Thornton Wilder's Our Town, where he says, mm. where, where the uh, narrator is talking with Emily, who's the one who comes back from the dead, right? Has mm. one, spends one day. Mm. And, and she asked the question, does anybody really, really understand life, really, every, every minute while they're living it? And the response is, poets and saints, they do some. poets and saints wow and i think there's something about the artists and the holy that help us pay attention to how god is present in the world at the moment in ways we wouldn't otherwise see and that's a profoundly important calling um for for the body of christ to be much more aware of the beauty of god especially in a world racked pain so we talked about how leadership is you know, uh, it's changing, um, especially in the, in the church. A lot of changes that need to be made. So, and you talked about what artists can do. Let's put those th- two things together. What um, mm-hmm. what changes need to be made in the areas of leadership and in the areas of the arts 
are, do, 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 is this a time for artists to rise up and become leaders? I mean, is, is, that's what it sounds like you're saying. I just want to make, yeah. yeah. So the way, I mean, I mean, you brought them together and talking about arts and leadership. I can talk about leadership in lots of ways. I, I, I define leadership basically this way. Okay. Leadership is about influence or transformation. Hmm. It's about change. Um, one famous definition of leadership comes from Ronald Heifetz out of Harvard, where he says that leadership is a, is basically equipping your people to grow so they can face their biggest challenges. Hmm. One of the things the arts brings is the ability to see a problem. Uh, literally, the, one of the key leadership terms is the term reframe. Where do you get the idea of frame <laughs> from, right? Right. right? So, and then what does a frame do to a piece of art? Framing, if it's not simply just matching the furniture, is actually supposed to highlight or help you see something in the art that you wouldn't otherwise see. So the choice of a frame is really important even to an artist. Many artists do their own framing mm -hmm. for that reason. Well, think about if you take off one frame and put on another frame, you'll see things you wouldn't otherwise see. Mm. So one of the reasons why I think it's so important for anybody involved in leadership to at least engage the most creative parts of themselves is that's the only way they're going to be able to consider new things, mm. uh, new possibilities, um, to be able to envision something that wasn't otherwise there, um, to be able to take risks. I mean... Art is, for most art, is about a process and it's about learning and about a combination of skills and intuition. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of my favorite things is to look at, like, you know, when you see documentaries on the old masters about how they painted over canvases to paint mm -hmm. new things and how you can x-ray and see what's behind it. Well, mm -hmm. think about a leadership process of any kind as that kind of ongoing iteration, creativity, mm -hmm. experimenting, um, my wife, who is an artist, would say that most art is about um, practice. It's about caring about your work and staying at it and working on it over and over and over again because you want to communicate something. It's, it's not just a bunch of natural talent for most people. Hmm. Um, and I think in many ways, I think leadership is the same way. Leadership is a skill. Some people are, have more talent than others. Um, just the same way that think of preaching. Some people are more natural speakers than other people are but we're a seminary we teach everyone who's going to go into ministry to preach mm -hmm. and we believe there's a way of training teachers and teaching them and it's a practice for teaching or for preaching i think the same thing is true with artists i think the same thing is very much true with leadership and so here at fully you you train people to be leaders mm -hmm. uh, for kingdom vocation um and so a student an artistic student a creative walks into your office and sits down and asks you, I'm a creative, I don't know what to do. It seems like I am. Because a lot of a lot of people I know who are creatives and they're artists, they just don't know how to mix ministry and creativity. That's the, that's the purpose of this program. What advice would you give that person? They come into your office, and this could be, you could think of yourself as, uh, in this hypothetical situation, you're the, the vice president of vocation information, or you're a pastor at a church. Mm -hmm. how, what would you respond to that person who walks in your office looking for for guidance well two things one is you know you said um we you said that we train leaders the truth is we use the word form we and, and i'll tell you why that's important okay because i believe that the formation of a leader is as much mm. about who they are as what they do okay it's not just a technical skill set mm. okay it is a it is a it is an embodied being so what i would say to an artist in one sense is what i would say to almost anybody and i, and I would start with saint augustine Love God with all your heart and then do what you please. <laughs> do what really pleases yeah. you, what gives you joy. 
love God with all your heart and do what you please. Do the thing that gives you joy. Keep listening for God's uh, leading in your life. Keep paying attention to God's joy in your life. Um, we teach the practice of the prayer of exam to mm-hmm. all of our students, mm-hmm. which is where at the end of every day you look back at your day in prayer and, in, and you ask, God, where was I aware of your spirit? Where did I say yes to you? Where did I lean into your presence? Where did I take the invitation um, to go to go deeper to you, to grow closer to you? Mm-hmm. Um, those that um, the Jesuit tradition calls your consolations, mm-hmm. the things that fill us with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. And then we ask God, where in our lives, in my life this day, where in this day did I say no to you? Mm-hmm. Did I re- reject you? Did I avoid you? Mm-hmm. Did I go more inward to myself and away from you? Um, what are my desolations? Mm. And what the Jesuits believed, what Ignatius, St. Ignatius believed, is that if God was at the center of your life, if you loved him with your whole heart, then over time he would lead you more and more into your consolations and he would lead you away from your desolations. Mm. That you would know that the more you loved him, the more that what you are filled with that would give you true joy. It wouldn't always be happy wouldn't always be easy. Hmm. We live in a very broken, fallen world, but there would be some sense of genuine joy and purpose and meaning, and that he would lead you away from your desolations. He would Hmm. lead you away from the things that would take him away from you, that would keep him, keep you from being able to find joy. That if God wasn't at the center of your life, if you weren't pleasing him, if you weren't seeking to please him in all you do, then it's reversed. That God actually leads you through your desolations. Hmm. That the things you thought were going to make you happy would actually be like biting into something sweet and it turns to ash in your mouth. Mm. You'd realize really quickly, this isn't worth it. This is meaningless. This is empty. It's vapid. Mm. And that he would lead you away from the things you thought would make you happy. So that in, so that in the sadness of the moment, the, you know, the, the sorrow that leads to repentance, you would mm. please him. Mm-hmm. So what I would say to artists, I would say to all of us, which is, we are to love God with our whole hearts and then do what we please. Mm. And for Luther, you said at the beginning, Luther thought all of vocation is built, is really expressed in love of neighbor. Mm. So if you were not sure what to do next, <laughs> right, love God, do what fills me with joy, and then ask the question, so who is in front of me? Who is my neighbor? Mm. Um, to what end? To, to who do I serve? Mm-hmm. And somewhere in that loving God finding our joy in the middle of it and loving our neighbor we find our calling and that that is in that expression and i think that it's one of the things that keeps art from being just self-indulgent mm. that the art is really meant to serve something mm-hmm. and, and, and i don't mean um it has to be like a bulletin for a church or it has to be <laughs> you know it has to be a christian music though that's fine i'm saying that art should be more than just what Thomas Merton called the contagion of our own obsessions. Mm. Um, it has to be about deepening the awareness of God's presence and revealing the love of God and the presence of God into a world. So love God with your whole heart. Do what really brings you joy. Do what you please and love your neighbor. Wow, that's that's beautiful to hear. That's very encouraging to me for me to hear. Uh, yeah, I just want to thank you for giving mm-hmm. us that advice. And just to switch gears a little bit, uh, how, how can our audience get to know more of you and more of your work? You came up with a book book recently, and mm-hmm. it's it's called Canoeing the Mountains. Right. Could you tell us a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah. So my book is called Canoeing the Mountains, 
uh, Christian Leadership in Uncharted Territory. And it's really a book that looks at the way in which the church is now entered into a time in a post-Christendom world that is really like what Lewis and Clark experienced when they stepped across the Lemhi Pass and they had to leave their canoes behind. Mm -hmm. So Lewis and Clark thought they were going to find a water route that would take them from St. Louis to the Pacific Ocean, a water Mm -hmm. route everybody thought was there. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were looking for what at that time was the fabled Northwest Passage. Mm -hmm. Whoever could find the water route would economically um, thrive in this new land. That's what they were trying to find. What they found was the Rocky Mountains. <laughs> and they had to drop the canoes and figure out how do you keep going over mountains. And so so my work, my leadership work, is all about helping church leaders and pastors and Christian leaders recognize that in a changing culture, we need to be equipped in a different way for leadership. Mm-hmm. And, and so one of the ways that just demonstrates is this podcast. I mean, mm-hmm. 25 years ago, huh. very few people were thinking about art Christianity and leadership. Hmm. Today, we recognize that most of the most innovative, creative things happening in the world hmm. are coming from from the arts, and that if we don't think of creativity as part of the innovation needed um, to lead in a changing world, then we're going to miss the entire way of thinking, seeing, doing, perspective. Hmm. So, the very fact that we have so many students coming to Fuller who are coming here to get theology degrees to work in the arts, hmm. um, to, get, to get theology degrees to work in business, hmm. um, to get yeah. theology degrees to work with organizations. It, I mean, 25 years ago, the main pipeline was you come to seminary to get a degree so you can get ordained in a church. And right. today it's much more missional. Than that. hmm. And that's um, kind of the place where we find ourselves. That's one of the reasons I'm at Fuller, and that's why I teach leadership development. Well, thank you so much for giving us your time and giving us your wisdom. Bless you and bless your work here at Fuller. Thanks. Thanks very much. This has been the Artisan Tree Podcast. For more information, you can visit artisantree.org or epicjason.com. Thank you for listening and be blessed.